Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast and Source Find Asia. Uh, this episode was fun, you know. Uh, <laughs> maybe got a little bit risky sometimes, but uh, I had the privilege to talk to one of my best buddies from Toronto, Nick Nerov. Um, currently, I think he's in Australia. He was in Chiang Mai for a little bit. He uh, came down to see me two years ago in China when I first started this company. And, you know, at the time I was just getting my sourcing legs and, uh, you know, obviously I had China Mike by my side to, to hold my hand ever so softly. Um, but yeah, Nick came and he saw what I was doing and he came across FBA. Um, that was one of the main things that he saw as an option. And of course, me being in China was like a no brainer for him because he was like, Hey, my buddy runs a sourcing company. I want to start sourcing from China. FBA seems to be huge. Um, and of course we, we chopped it up a bunch of times about, you know, how he should approach manufacturers and, and sampling and all the stuff. I did product photos for him. Um, and yeah, he launched a very, very successful FBA store and he's currently making, I think he said, uh, between 10 to $15,000 in profit monthly, monthly, um, and yeah, we just sat down and talked about his process and more of the mindsets that go in, into it. I think this is going to be one of those episodes where you kind of see a different side of me just because he brings that out of me. Uh, and I, I like how me and Nick are in terms of, and my, uh, we have a crew of friends who are similar in this way. This is going to be a very long intro, but, uh, you know, just the way we approach certain things in business and life, I think is very not to pat my own back but i i think that we support each other and and we feed positive energy to each other um but yeah just enjoy the episode i think it's for anybody that's interested in selling on amazon or who, or who is selling on amazon i think it's going to be good for you and for anybody that's interested in just business and and an abundance mindsets and being positive uh this is going to be a good episode for you cheers i don't want to be a product of my environment i want my environment to be a product of me. There'll be a freeform conversation. Mm-hmm. I do the intros post production because okay. because I'm, I'm a professional. Professional. Oh my gosh. All right. Or not the professional in Save Montreal, were you? <laughs> listen, let's not talk about Save Montreal in this public forum, right? We shouldn't even be we shouldn't even be putting that kind of energy out there into the universe, man. That's not even Why not? That's like the best a, kind. Of, that's that's the energy that made everything happen. No, I don't even want people to start searching what Save Montreal <laughs> means, you know, I don't, you know. I don't want them to have any sort All of right. idea. Be true. Be true to yourself, Rico. Be Ladies and gentlemen, yourself. this is this is this is a risk that I'm taking bringing Nick onto the podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> Rico expose. <laughs> Rico expose. I built up such a professional persona, um, uh, and then hey, we're gonna come, but, come and wreck it in my podcast. The thing about uh, so just a little bit of background before Nick starts to talk about his. Uh, I always say that me and Nick should never be left alone, unchaperoned, un- un- unsupervised, because me and him, we like we feed off of each other's uh, chaos, I guess. 
and and it's just like we don't know like there's not not we're not gonna say no to each other in terms of doing crazy stuff so yeah that's why i said it's a risk uh it's a risk bringing him onto the podcast but uh i think it's gonna be good man i think it's gonna be fun i think i told you this story already and i've told all the other guys but where everything started was uh i believe it was two years ago we took a uh backpacking trip to come visit you in China and then we were uh, going all around Southeast Asia and I was meeting all these guys along the way that were saying like, hey man, I work for my computer and I make money online. Um, you know, anyone can do this. And I'm like, what do you do? They're like, either it was drop shipping or, or um, Amazon FBA. So when I got home, it was, I believe it was uh, September 2015. I got back to Toronto and I started researching this a lot. I was really looking into it. One, one resource that really helped was the uh, Scott Volker's podcast um, on I, I, f- I forgot what it's yeah the Amazing Seller podcast that's right and uh, you've also put me in touch with a couple of people which uh, was really great and then you gave yeah, me some Amazing advice seller. when it came to um, like sourcing and uh, you know finding suppliers and how to pro- uh, approach that better than I knew on my own so you know kind of fast forward now we're here this is about like oh, yeah like I said you know two years later I now make about you know give or take 10 to 15 K per month on Amazon on my product. I'm expanding. I've just finished, uh, just finished my shipment for Canada. So I'm expanding into Canada. I'm also expanding into Europe. I did my branding, my packaging, uh, different sizing, different variations. So I'm going kind of that way instead of launching more products. I mean, there's infinite ways to approach it. And, uh, yeah, Nick, Nick, can you hear me? Um, how much of that is, uh, is profit? If you don't mind me asking, that is profit. Oh, that is profit. Okay. Yes. Just wanted to clarify. Yes. Yeah, I know a lot of guys talk about it in sales figures, and I think that that's not that's nothing really. Are we allowed to swear, by the way, on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that ain't shit. Is basically what I was trying to say is, you know, you should be talking in your profit figures because uh, you're not only uh, kind of concealing how you are doing, you know, for other people's measurements, but you're also kind of lying to yourself. You're trying to big up the numbers when you're not quite there. And that's okay. You you know, even if you're making $500 of profit a month, that's something, you know, for me, it started off make $5 online. And I went to Fiverr and me and my buddy Ryan, who, you know, of course, uh, we basically stayed in a room together for, I think, five days straight uh, in, the, in the fraternity, small fraternity dorm room. And we slept there, we ate there, we ate like, pizza and Chinese noodles until we made those $5 online. And then the day that we both made it, uh, both made $5 online, we went out and spent like $10 on beer and hmm. to celebrate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I remember I had a similar goal. Like when I first, when I first started getting into, well, not started getting into entrepreneurship, but like just when I became a little bit more serious about it. And uh, one of the things that I did was I had people asking me to take them out, basically consult with them and spend a day with them shopping and, and figure out their wardrobe. So I, you know, one guy just uh, was interested in paying me. And at the time I had this goal of making a dollar from, from entrepreneurship and, and the dude paid me uh, 20 bucks. So, you know, that was like the first. And then once you do that, it's a, you kind of just go like, oh, well, I actually got paid for a service and I'm not working for a company. And then from there, it's just like slowly growing that up. So then my next goal after that was like 50 and then a hundred and and then and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's, that's really interesting you said because you've always kind of been the best dressed out of all of us. Like you're, you were rocking, you know, dress shirts, vests and, you know, 
uh, dress pants while I was still, you know, in my slacks. Um, but what, but one thing I actually got to tell you, um, you know, I think three years ago when, uh, you went off to, uh, to live in China and, uh, specifically when you started this podcast, uh, one thing that I've always, always dreamed about was actually this conversation we're about to have, mm-hmm. which is like started, made something, uh, tried to rush into another thing, got down on myself, depressed, step back, reevaluated, and now I'm in a position where it's like, okay, here we go. Like a year. So my Amazon business is actually like a year old. Like I'm, May second, I'm going to be celebrating my first sale last year. So and I, you know, I, within a year, like I, I got to this point, which is freaking unbelievable for me personally as well. Um, one of the things that I was, I've, I've been reflecting on for the past week. So uh, just for context. Per, uh, for you know the sake of context, I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand for six months, and we can talk more about that. Why I went there, and why I would recommend anyone starting off or just fairly new going there. And I was actually heading on my way over to Zagreb, Croatia, uh, for you know similar reasons why I went to Chiang Mai in the first place. And uh, in between, I decided to stop over at Sydney, Australia, because one of my closest Toronto friends, uh, he lives here. So right now, I'm actually crashing on his couch and, uh, you know, just going out, seeing Sydney, seeing the beaches, and uh, it's all nice and awesome. But what these past three weeks being in Sydney gave me was this opportunity to step back and just like, you know what, Uh, Amazon's on autopilot pretty much. Uh, drop shipping, which is like the new thing I'm dabbling in and I'm learning about. And, I'm, you know, I've launched a couple of websites. Uh, some of them broke even, some of them, you know, not so much. And then shutting them down, kind of like learning, reiterating, reiterating. I'm like, I'm not going to touch any of that. I'm just going to sit back and two things uh, I'm going to do. So me personally is uh, I'm into self-development, self-improvement. And Two big things that I'm kind of going through right now. Number one is Jordan Peterson uh, self-authoring program, which basically helps you kind of verbalize your current state, uh, you know, your your weaknesses, your strengths. Think about those, write them down, your future goals, and then your past experiences. Um, the past experiences being mostly, you know, traumatic experiences that are roadblocks to uh, to what you want to be doing now and future. And basically, the whole idea behind that is if you just uh, verbalize and try to understand and in doing that and sorry and the second program is actually it's more of a personal thing but it's uh rsd max like real social dynamics max his program the natural uh i'm basically without going too far into it i think i'm pretty you know I, i'm a pretty shy guy uh when it comes to talking to new people so specifically girls and i'm kind of going through this program just to kind of teach myself a little bit more and push myself to actually talk to new people and you know get out there in the world um so from these two kind of things that I've that I've been thinking about that I've kind of taken away from the last 12 months that's been a heck of a ride was kind of this idea of you know pursuit versus attainment. So what what's better to just get it like oh I want it and I want to get it or the, kind of the journey. And I, I know that there is this you know uh, there's already this kind of general self-help kind of like, no, it's about the journey, man. It's not about the end goal. But why this was, this has been another big theme is why fear is the compass uh, rather than something to be avoided. Um, and yeah, like that's where I've been. Hey, what's up, guys? Just want to make a quick announcement here. This is Rico. Um, 
we are hiring. We're looking for summer interns in SFA. If you guys are interested in having the experience of your life, moving over to China for a few months, uh, learning how to make things, make cool things, uh, traveling around Southeast Asia, uh, specifically China, of course, but like, uh, you know, China's Guangzhou is located in a way where we're like an hour away from Thailand and Bali and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just hanging out with me as well. Send, uh, go to the, our website, sourcefinasia.com slash intern. I'll link it up in the show notes and submit your application. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, I want to pull you back a little bit because we, we could go pretty deep into that, that area in terms of self-improvement and sort of the high level, uh, business, self, business improvement aspects. But, just go back to the beginning. So you, how, what was the first step that you took when you decided to start selling on Amazon? Right. So after that Southeast Asia backpacking trip, uh, when I got back to Toronto, I basically, I decided not to really jump into anything too fast. So I spent uh, probably two to three months just researching, just literally sitting in the library, coffee shops, and just reading, listening to podcasts, seeing how viable it is. And uh, I've come to a conclusion that it's very systematic. As long as you detach yourself from the product or from, you know, success or failure of it, and you just go strictly by numbers, which is, you know, the, in, in a nutshell, it's, you know, the revenue, uh, amount of reviews, can you improve the product or not, uh, how many sales they're getting, you know, every month, and how many competitors there are in a nutshell. So the first step was research and just planning it out on paper. Just like, is this viable? Can I mentally, intellectually wrap my head around the whole process, which I was able to, I'm like, okay, I can see it step-by-step systematically working. And I think something to be said about gut feeling. Uh, A lot of times when something just feels right, you, you just feel good about going for it. You know, sometimes, you know, I think that uh, the majority, they convince themselves like, oh, I like this job. And they'll say, you know, they'll, they'll rationalize in their minds why they like a certain job, even though on the gut level, they, they don't, you know, they get up in the morning, they're like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to work again. You know, nobody really wants to do that. So for for me, it was important that I had that feeling of like, yes, this is going to work. And that's exactly what I got. And that was the first step. So um, you know, after that, like choosing the product. So the, the three big things I think is, uh, research and choosing a product. Number two is, uh, finding a supply, whether it be China, it could be South America, it could be us itself. And then the logistics of delivering it to Amazon warehouse for Amazon FBA. How important, because one of the things I think about that um, I think about very often, just to give some background, I don't know if I've discussed this in depth on the podcast, but like we have a group of, of friends, uh, all of us from Toronto, um, except Noam, who's from Ottawa. Screw that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, we, we all met in Toronto and uh, and we became friends, uh, I think. But like uh, we met in 2011 and then I met Rohan maybe a couple weeks later and then I met Noam and and then I met you and Ryan and uh, I I guess pretty much since 2011 2012 we've been like best friends so it's like it's not <laughs> it's not a mistake that that happened so the point that I was trying to make is uh, how important was having the group for you when you were going through this whole process uh, when you're learning about 
you know, what it takes picking the products, um, the sourcing aspect, the even just setting up the business side of it. Like, how important was our our friendship group? Uh, I th- well, I think the the friendship group that we have specifically, which is you know friends by choice rather than friends by circumstance. Uh, that just for the mentality, just for the mental aspects of it, you know, um, having everybody like push each other towards entrepreneurialism, that was immeasurably, uh, you know, beneficial to me personally. And I could say pretty much the same for everyone. Um, but you know, also having everybody kind of around the world and having, having everybody work on different things. So like working on copywriting, you're working on sourcing, I'm working on e-commerce. We have a buddy of ours who's dominating North America right now in, you know, software gaming. Um, you know, that, that I think is, uh, kind of like not extra, what are they called? The Avengers kind of coming together because everybody is, everybody in the team is strong on their own. Like they've kind of more or less made it or making it. They're taking the journey to making it. They're seeing success and they're plowing through, but together we, we come, you know, we come together like the whole kind of makes it uh, bigger than, uh, than the individuals. And for me personally, I, uh, I found it extremely beneficial to have you in China because by the time I was getting into, you know, starting this Amazon thing, you were already established and you were getting into it with, I think with your partner back then into this sourcing business. So I remember bombarding you with questions. I always feel so guilty just asking a bunch of questions and asking for help. Uh, but you were champ. No, and you referred me to your friends that you made there. So I think you going off to China and like, being on your hustle and, and, you know, us being friends and me having you in kind of like as my friend and in my network and not being afraid to kind of ask you for, you know, your advice and how you would handle certain situations. Like to me, it was, you know, irreplaceable. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to friends, like uh, you should never feel guilty to ask questions. Like I, uh, you know, I, me and Noam go back and forth a lot. I, I hit up Rohan every single time I have some sort of, major business development in, in mm-hmm. my company and I'm trying to plan for the future. And I know that Rohan's like four years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I know that he's been through this exact stuff and I just hit him up and I'm just like, man, like what do you, re- um, this is the situation. What do you recommend? And then he'll point me in the right direction. And I think that's what it's about, man. And vice versa. There'll be times, you know, where, where I need your help and, and that's just how it works. And te- te- 10% stock, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 10%. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, having, um, having you there was, you know, even beyond like, so like, you know, uh, advice with, um, sourcing. And then at the same time when I was getting like photography done, and then I found out that, Oh, there is a better way to get, like, I don't have to get my product to Amazon and send it to somebody in the U S to take these professional photos. It was actually, uh, much more better from a time standpoint, uh, to have the factory send it to you or your guy, get those photos done. So by the time that the product arrives in the warehouse, I already had the photos, you know, up and running and photos is a huge aspect as well of, um, your Amazon listing page. Like I put a lot of effort into that. You have to take advantage of Yeah. It's just, you have to take advantage of the lower labor costs in China. And I mean, the product photos are just as professional as, what you'd have done in the US, except they cost like half as much, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. I, so I, I did both. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can speak on that. Yes, it is. So after you picked your product, right, and you you tested it out, right? You tested it out first. Actually, no, I didn't. And uh, this is like the one thing that 
I, I basically like there was a hiatus uh, where I two months I ran out of like July, August last year. I ran out of inventory and I just started this YouTube channel just for shits and giggles, like talking about Amazon. And one of the things that I was mentioning on there was that was the one dumb thing that I did, but it was kind of, it was part impatience, but it was part of really, really believing in what the fuck I'm selling. Um, I actually ended up ordering 1200 units, which cost me $8,000 US about like 11, 12 K Canadian at that time, because Canadian dollar was really low. So I pretty much put in all my money into this, which uh, I would not recommend to anyone ever like test, test everything always. Uh, but that was the one thing that I didn't follow the plan, but I got lucky, I guess, in a sense, like, I mean, there was, of course there was research and, um, you know, measurements numbers. So like I knew, I knew that this product was going to do well. The one thing that if I was to go back, I'd probably order like maybe two, 300, units just to test it out a little bit initially well why do you think it popped why do you think that particular product uh, was so successful um so looking at uh, basically the the unicorn which is like the ideal that you want is you you type in you know the major keyword or keywords and you have about five let's say four to eight competitors you know that's really good sign uh everyone's selling like it's it's similar but it's different everyone's got their own little thing and every so for me i think it was four four or five competitors and each one of them had uh like customer in the customer reviews i read something that throughout all the products people complained about that they said hey i if only this was this this would be perfect can you improve this this that and the other and so I did those improvements and I, uh, the quality was much better because I ordered their products to me to Canada and then I, I got the samples uh, from China and I compared and I'm like, man, this is such a superior thing. And at first, at first I was, I was selling it just out of a clear see-through plastic bag. It's only now, like a year later now I got, you know, the actual branded packaging and everything. Mm-hmm. Have they, that like your competitor, have they tried to like to step up their game as they try to do what you've done with the product? I have not noticed that at all. No? Nope. So why, why do you think that is? Is it just they're just lazy or they're not paying attention? or they? You know, it's... <sighs> I don't know, man. It could be a number of other reasons. I think if you try in this game when you, you all you see is just people's reactions on Amazon, whether it's with their product, with their copy, uh, you know, with their marketing, advertising, um, it's, it's really hard to predict. So I think the best thing to do is just kind of take a snapshot of what's going on right now and then improve upon it and then run your own game, you know, kind of set the standard yourself and just think outside the box and don't try to compare yourself to the people that are trying to emulate. Like they're going to copy you. Fuck it. Somebody's going to copy you. Like that's out of your control. Focus on things that are in your control, which is improving marketing, product, photos, listing, more products, you know, your, your seller, your big seller account, you know, um, yeah, it could be it could be multiple things. Like, I, like you said, I, it could be that they this for them was not a product that they focus on. Um, you know, maybe they've carved out their own little niche that they're happy with. I mean, I think most times it, it is complacency on on people's parts. Like I have, I know a couple people that are are doing okay on Amazon and just haven't really done anything beyond uh, you know the initial success. And something that I wanted to touch on moving forward is. Obviously, Amazon was is was a gold rush. Um, you know, a lot of people jumped on that, and and now you're getting to a stage where there's so many people selling on Amazon. The competition is high. 
Uh, you have Chinese manufacturers that are being taught by Amazon in terms of how to sell on Amazon. You have Amazon itself taking all the data and like releasing their own products. What it, what steps are you taking right now to avoid being in a position where uh, eventually the you know the the gold rush starts to end and and you know may, maybe there's too much competition on Amazon and you, you need to be able to sell in a, in a different channel a different way. Well, um, I think in, in today, so like on online has become you know su- such a such a big channel in itself, right? Where it's not just Amazon, but it's a lot of these little dropshippers as well coming in. You know, um, I think that the brand matters a lot, uh, meaning that when people message you um, or email me, let's say about the product, it's like, hey, it didn't quite fit, or it's not quite the thing I expected it to be. I'll be like, hey, done. Yeah, just return it. Here's how to return it. Don't worry about it. You know, customer service number one. So like prompt reply, the branding itself. So like it's a pretty packaging at a decent price. Uh, expanding your sales channels is another big thing. Um, so I started off on Amazon.com, but I'm now expanding it to Amazon.ca and Amazon.uk, I think it's called, whatever. Uh, which uh, UK, if you're in the UK warehouse, uh, if you're in Amazon FBA UK, they actually fulfill to the six biggest countries in Europe, which is, uh, I believe it's Spain, France, uh, Germany, and some, some, something else, something else, something rather. Uh, so expand sales channels. So go beyond Amazon. Start your own uh, third-party fulfillment. So there are fulfillment services that will uh, ship your stuff worldwide for a dollar. So you can get off that. And you know you can also start creating your Freedom Tripod, which for me the Freedom Tripod is three separate sources of uh, passive income uh, that are completely separate from each other. So one is Amazon. The second one that I'm working on figuring out the Rubik's Cube that I'm figuring out right now is the drop shipping. A general dropshipping store with Facebook ads, you know, that whole side. The third one, I don't know what it's going to be, to be honest, uh, but like I'm sure I'll figure it out in the next year. But basically, if you have three streams of income, of passive income, let's say each stream makes you 5 to 10K a month, you're looking at anywhere between 15 to 30K a month of profit, you know, clear profit, uh, that is more than enough uh, for you to live the life of the rich and wealthy i think so it's way right. it's way more than enough <laughs> like yeah it, it's like you're it's making like fifteen thousand dollars a month profit like you, <sighs> you can live literally in any city in the world exactly no problem like it's actually i think it's a it's about i would say two thousand dollars usd allows you to live really comfortably in about 90 percent of the world really comfortably if you wanted to like have a you know a condo and like a nice car and whatever eat at restaurants that you want to eat at and travel and stuff you'd need at least 10k a month so if you're making 15 yeah you're 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 good you're more than good exactly so so i think but you know that's like the kind of the end goal uh i i think that there's something to be said about uh, the process rather than the outcome. So when I first started, for me, the outcome was I want to make 5K a month uh, profit. Uh, I want to be living in Chiang Mai with all my friends, Chiang Mai, Thailand. I want to be working on this business thing. And then all of it came true. Like I got to Chiang Mai. I was making, I think, upwards of like 7K a month profit uh, off my online business. It was about five months old at that point. And I just went into like a two-week-long depression. Because there was nothing else to do. Like, I didn't know what else to do with myself. Uh, There was no, like, 
conscious self-improvement, like, you know, meditation, journaling, uh, talking to strangers. Like I was not pushing myself in any way. The only thing I would do is like go to the gym because I always wanted to be bigger than I am because I'm a skinny little dude. Um, so there was no, uh, improvement and there was no business growth. Uh, it wasn't until I started, you know, telling myself like, Hey, you know, let's, let's build a tripod. Let's build three income niches. So, you know, the next one will be drop shipping. And I delved right into Shopify drop shipping while my Amazon passively grew on its own. As long as the, the beauty about Amazon is that I think it's a great starting point is because it's very automated. And as long as you just put the right tools in place, it will grow in all the right ways by itself. Um, and I can literally tell you everything within five minutes of like, what are the pillars? Of course, you can have like the list, you listener here now, you know, you're going to have to go through it yourself and do a lot more research, but I can point you in the right direction. It was the same thing that you've had Zam on your, on your podcast before, right? Yeah, it was one of the guys that you put me in touch with and Zam said the exact same thing and props to him because I actually met him in Chiang Mai and it was so fucking sick coming up to this dude. I'm like, hey man, remember me? He's like, nope, who are you? Who, who the fuck are you? I was like, uh, Rico put us in touch and you uh, helped me start off my Amazon thing. He's like, oh yeah, right on, man, right on. I'm like, well, now I'm here and I'm making like, you know, four or five figures a month. He's like, damn, congratulations, dude. And uh, we had a really nice chat about that. But that guy's nothing nothing short of extraordinary when it came to helping me because he's like, he, he said what needed to be said, which is like, hey, man, here's the tools that I use. I'm working on my second product right now. Here's what I found out work. Here's what I found that didn't. But at the end of the day, like it's up to you. Uh, it wasn't like, hey man, if you have any questions, ask me. Because I made that mistake with YouTube, and I can I can expand more of why I think it was a mistake saying that on my YouTube channel. It's like, hey guys, have any have any questions? Like, keep commenting. He was like, here's what you're gonna do. Uh, good luck. There was no like, hey, follow up with me. It's like, here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't. Here's the tools. Go, go yep. do it. Yep. And uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say that you know you have to just pat myself on the back, you know, just uh, Rico the connector over here. Yeah, oh, Rico, you never fail to pat yourself on the back, buddy. You, you, what I, I do. think the, the smallest <laughs> things. You're always like, and uh, can we bring back the spotlight to yeah. uh, me, por favor? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm also here. Yeah, but you know, but but credit credit credits due. You know where credits due, and that is uh, on your part because. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if it wasn't, you know, for us giving you a parting gift before you went to China, um, you know, to uh, join the elevator life, I mean, who knows? Tomato, tomato, you know, you, you helped us out. We helped you out. Center China, bro. <laughs> Center China. <laughs> who, who's, who's... And by the way, by speaking of elevators, you know, every time I get on the elevator and I press, you know, my floor, 23rd <laughs> floor at the office and then somebody else walks in and, and they're also going to 23rd floor, I'm like, yeah, I pressed that for you. Yeah, you should, uh, <laughs> should give me credit. Oh, you should give God. me credit for that thing. Yeah, where Damn would you man. be without me? You'd be on the twenty-second floor. Not the <laughs> hey man, start from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So I want to kind of talk about. Um, I want to talk about the business growth and stuff, but uh, just really like uh, nuts and bolts stuff. What What did you do to set up your distribution? Uh, I know you did a lot of the stuff yourself, even though you you asked me for advice and stuff like that. And I think that's important, actually. Of course, if you have money to invest in hiring a a sourcing agent or something like that, like that's that's a fine option, especially if you don't have time or if you're not interested in all the aspects of communicating with suppliers and stuff. Yeah, you set up your distribution. You're communicating with your suppliers. Have you had any? Did you have any issues? What was the most difficult part about that? Did you have any QC issues, things like that? 
Uh, I actually, I think I lucked out with my supplier, uh, because it was, it was a really good factory. Um, uh, at first it was a bit nervous. It was a bit nerve wracking, like, you know, sending that, I think the deposit was like three or four K I sent that in and I'm like, well, there it goes. Like, you know, <laughs> and it was a wire transfer too. It wasn't it a could just disappear, yeah. And I was like, yep, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, as I always say. Um, but for me, it worked out, and we still work to this day, and it's an amazing supplier. And now we kind of have like this, you know, an understanding, like she has an understanding about my business. I, you know, I'm always like I give them leeway if uh, there's little little miscommunications. For example, you know, there was a bit of a, a, bit of a package misprint, and uh, I brought it up to them. They're like, oh, my God, we'll fix it right away. Like, you know, sorry about that. I'm like, hey, that's okay. No shit happens kind of thing. Uh, there was delayed shipments where it's like, hey, we'll give it to you. We'll we'll get it shipped out before Chinese New Year's, and then uh, you know I get notified a week before, like, sorry, it's gonna be actually after Chinese New Year's. So now you're gonna be out of stock for a month. And I think the biggest lesson that I got from that is like, you know, don't ever lose on your supplier because these people are directly responsible for your business. Uh, you can you can definitely find replacements, but it's just a headache you don't need. And what's done is done, kind of thing. So just uh, I think, especially in Chinese culture, it goes over well when you don't blow up and you don't start playing the blame game. But instead, you just accept it, like yeah, oh, I completely accept, you know. And uh, let's 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 make sure that together, let's together make sure that this doesn't happen, you know, in the future. And uh, I will do my best, kind of like shelter it, like take it upon yourself. That it's like oh, perhaps it was me that miscommunicated or something. Yeah, I mean, I talk about that. Um, I talked about that a lot. Like, you, if you get emotional with the supplier, they can they can shut down on you. Um, it's it's never really the best way to deal with things. I I think what's important when it comes to uh, scheduling and, and dates and things like that is just really just keeping constant communication with them and being on top of them. Because what, yeah, so ha- I have what, what happens? Okay, uh, what happens in a situation where you have the Chinese New Year shipment is basically they they take on too many orders. And then they yeah. need to they need to prioritize which ones they're gonna ship out first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I haven't I haven't had a lot of problems with mine, but I have heard a lot of people having problems with other suppliers, and I think it comes down to number one, lack of communication, lack of vetting, and then ignoring some red flags uh, from them. And I, I think that you would know a lot more about it than I would. But honestly, if I was to go back, and uh, I think if that first one failed. Uh, I I I am more certain, most certain that I would be probably using a sourcing agent. I'm really glad that we're buddies because you'd be the first one that I'd come to. Uh, because finding a good sourcing agent too is a problem. Because who the fuck knows? Like man, it's like hey dude, like find this out for me. It's like yeah yeah, we'll get the ship and just send me the money. Everything will be okay. I haven't heard much about on the sourcing agent side. You know people are getting fucked over that way but having a sourcing agent i think for the amount that they typically charge i think you're eliminating a lot of the risk you have the in-person visit to the factory and then the the biggest benefit that i so those would be the two i think the direct communication and face-to-face because chinese culture is a very face-to-face you know connections right what's called guanji guanji uh Guanxi, yeah, connections, right? Uh, that's how they do business. That's number one thing. Number two is the the speediness of sampling and improvement of sampling. So, like I said, I got lucky. I found a good supplier. Their first uh, order of samples was amazing. It stood out above everything else. If you have a man on the ground, like you know, uh, he figures all of that for you. And I think that's why uh, you know I'm so happy that we're together because. 
e-commerce is basically I'm becoming this e-commerce guy now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I didn't see myself as that. You know, I, I don't know what I saw. Like I was my, my the business before this one I had was cleaning windows with Ryan. So I was like a door to door sales guy. You know, but now it's all about e-com and learning. You know, email marketing, copywriting, and specifically product development and getting to market. Um, and having the, like, not only having like a, Hey, it's a trusted man, but like having a friend in mm-hmm. China who is in that business, man, that's, that alone makes me a man of value. Rico here, here, here's, here's one special one for you. You make me a man of value. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Rico. I make a lot of people, men and women of value. <laughs> that's why I do the podcast. Oh my God. This guy, you, you hear me listeners. Uh, anyways. So, okay, so that's kind of like how you set it up. So essentially, yes, you could say that you got lucky, but I think one thing that me and you are, are relatively good at uh, and our group is just pretty much assessing uh, personalities like really quickly. And I think that's a big part of it is like we, you have to be able to scrutinize your supplier from the first moment you have communication. So how quickly do they reply? Do they answer all your questions? Are they honest? Do they own up to mistakes? Like it's all this stuff that you should be assessing before you actually move forward with them. Because I always talk when it comes to QC, obviously the first thing is knowing you, what your product is and how it's made and how it should look and the quality and stuff. And that's the research that you're doing when you buy your supplier's uh, sample, right? And then you see all the things that need to be improved, the things that people are complaining about that's doing the research that's understanding how this product is put together what is what are the issues that come up with this kind of product and then finding a supplier and then comparing the quality and getting that whole process set up and then making sure that that supplier is on top of everything so i think that's if you get that if you do that initial search if you understand how the product is made if you're re- if you really scrutinize the communication and like all the things that I just mentioned, are they honest? The quality of the product, how quickly do they respond? All that stuff very early on, you should be in a good position when you start to work with the supplier. Yeah, and one one thing actually that you talking, I just just made me think of this is that a lot of uh, this is like a bit of a change in subject, and feel free to bring it back after I'm done. Uh, but I, I, a lot of people that after I started the YouTube channel videos, a lot of people approached me, you know, via Facebook because I have the same name of my YouTube channel and whatnot. And uh, it's a lot of people seem to be stuck at the beginning, so there's like all this overwhelming information, uh, and uh, it's like where do I begin? Where do I start? How do I do this? You know, and two things that I've noticed. Number one is everyone seems to be lost. And number two is everyone seems to be in a rush. And, uh, those, those are the, those are the two things. Those, those are the two things that I think that's the reason why it worked for me. So just to give you perspective, I started researching, uh, September, 2015. I didn't make my order until January 2016. So that was four months of, and I'm not talking about thinking about it. Literally, I leave my house. I have, I wake up, have breakfast. I leave my house to go to university. I'm listening to the uh, uh, seller podcast. I get there. I go to class. I go to lunch. I'm eating lunch. I'm listening to the seller podcast. Uh, I get home at night. I'm, I'm talking to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm not even talking to them about any product specifically. I just go on Ali, Alibaba and just pick random products and just start talking to them, communicating with them just to see, just to kind of see, okay, 
you know, Scott Walker was talking about here's bad ways of communication, here's good ones. Let's see if that's true. And I've had, I've probably hit up, you know, dozens, like, man, maybe like 50 suppliers, like in my, just in my inbox alone, which by the way, uh, keys to success, make a separate email. Every time you go on Alibaba, make a completely separate email, you're going to get flooded with spam. But the, the the point that I'm trying to get to is that I I usually you hear guys like, yeah, you know, and then I did the research and blah, blah, blah. And within four months to market, I was already on Amazon selling. It wasn't the case for me. It was about six to seven months, I'd say. So from September until May, I did not see, like, it was just research, putting out the deposit, getting it shipped, like all of these delays, right? All of this. And it's just having patience and starting at step one. So, um I would say that if you're thinking about getting specifically to Amazon FBA, here's here's everything that costs you nothing. So here is here is up until a point that you are spending zero dollars, and that is so like listening to Scott Volker podcast, googling Google's your friend, of course. So googling around, you know, success FBA stories, trying to find so like niche pursuits, uh, startup bros. They talk a lot about Amazon. So those are like the few guys that I know personally. Uh, of course, you know your podcast and the guys that you're connected with. So start start research. Start getting your head wrapped up about it. Go on my YouTube channel. On my YouTube channel, Nick Nirov, I have specifically I laid out like, hey, here's like the. I forgot what it was, but it's like 10 kind of steps of what the whole picture, the big picture looks like. It's like the big picture of Amazon FBA. So you do the research. Then uh, from your research of what Amazon FBA is and how to actually find a product, you will find a few tools. For example, I used uh, Jungle Scout, but now there is things like Unicorn Smasher, which is like I hear it's a free Jungle Scout, but then there's also like the Jungle Scout web app. Uh, and then there's a Jungle Scout uh, add-on. So I use the web app as kind of like my Google search of products on Amazon. And, uh, you know, just Google it. There's breakdowns of how to use it properly. Uh, actually, I also have a video how I do my product research. So now you, f- you you research products and you track them and you kind of, you know, see what, like, you know, you have your uh, description of like what you're looking for. So, you know, revenue, number of competitors, number of reviews, uh, read the reviews. What are the customers saying about the product? Can you improve the product? Then you find a couple of potential products. Then you start contacting Alibaba suppliers. Then you start vetting them for how good is their English? How well is their reply? How long did it take to reply? Ask them maybe for previous customers. They might give it to you. They might not. Can you make the, can you make an order of a couple of hundred because you're just trying to test it out, test out the market instead of making, you know, 12, uh, 1200 like I did first, uh, you know, find, uh, see if they have a DHL FedEx, uh, connected to them. Um, you know, that, that, because, uh, the factories in China, they get special deals on DHL FedEx, you know, either economy air or economy ship. Uh, you know, if you don't want to deal with that, with the finding the, uh, factories, that are good, you know, vetting the vetting process, hire a sourcing agent, whether it be Rico or someone else that you might find. And up until that point, you are like vetting research and vetting, you are spending nothing. Your first expense will either be a down payment or okay, maybe you spent $30 on the jungle, jungle scout paid tool, $30, big deal. But up until that point, you're really just spending a lot of time and just trying to grasp the you know the whole Amazon ecosystem how it works, and then your first expense will either be a sourcing agent that will help you find the the, the factories, or it's going to be a down payment to the factory of starting to produce your product. Or Those, sam- that would be your first expense. Or a sample. 
or, or, but that's like, you know, I'm talking about like hundreds or thousands of dollars. I'm not talking about like, you know, like a sample will cost maybe 40, 50 bucks or, but let's say, you know, if they ordered any, any, yeah, any kind of money. Yeah. A sample like jungle scout will cost you $30 and then a sample will cost you maybe 40, $50 to get a sample shipped to you so that you can see it up until that point. Like you're not even stressing about money. So I don't have money to do this is not an excuse. I say, if you really want to do this, if you really want to commit to this, if you like what Rico and I are talking about, but especially you like the lifestyle that we live, it's like, man, those guys did it. I can't do it. Bullshit, man. I was in your shoes uh, a year ago. I I was living in a fraternity. I have a video about that too. That was my first video I ever made. I was in the fraternity, broke as shit. I had maybe five, 600 bucks left in my bank account. I didn't have Amazon yet. Uh, This was actually two years ago. I lied. Two years ago. Um, and I had 30 K of debt and I started that window cleaning company, which then gave me, got me out of debt and put me on the track to Amazon. But like, there's always a way out, right? There's not an excuse. So if you're thinking about this Amazon thing, first of all, start saving up some money. Second of all, research and understanding and reading and listening does not cost you money. It costs you time and you're not putting it in because, because you're busy with other things. It comes at an expense like Gary Vaynerchuk says. It comes at an expense of watching movies and playing Angry Birds and spending your time on Imager and Reddit. That's what it comes at. Okay, so bringing it back to what we were talking about, the nuts and bolts. So uh, you, you kind of got lucky with the supplier that you you work you work with because you you did a little bit of research. You got uh, you know found a supplier that communicated effectively. Now, when when the product started to scale, did you do anything? Did you do anything to push your sales up or was it just sort of like after it popped, uh, you know, reinvesting the money and, and placing in larger orders and then just kind of growing from there? Yeah. So when uh, I first got the, I got the product at the end of April, 2016, uh, first sale was in May. And uh, from there, it started slowly, like two sales, four sales, six. It, it kind of climbed up until it averaged at around, around 20 sales, 20 sales per day. Then I raised the price a bit. It dropped to 10. Uh, after two weeks, it was back to 20. So 20 was kind of like my average. And even now, about 30 sales a day is my average. But I kept raising the price and I kept making it better. Uh, this is not to mention Q4. Q4, kind of everything blew up. But one thing that I did wrong was I did not immediately put in another order because orders in China usually take about three to five weeks to produce. And then depending on what kind of method you use for shipment, usually it's, you know, freight, shipping freight, it'll take another month to deliver. So you have to be staying ahead of the curve two months ahead. Um, so I kind of fucked that up and I ran out of inventory for about a month, a month and a half. Now that is no longer an issue. Like I, because I, I kind of, you know, I have, I get good margins on my products. So I always kind of have money and I always reinvest always. Like I'm trying to keep, despite me, like I said, you know, traveling, going around the world, living in, you know, everywhere else other than Toronto, uh, I'm still spending probably two to $3,000 a month. And then everything else, everything else is going back into this. Uh, of course I took out maybe, uh, two grand, I'd say two grand just to test drop shipping and Facebook ads and play around with that system. And I've learned a lot. It was, it was way better than, you know, buying any kind of course, uh, firsthand experience. Um, but other than that, it's, it's either like I'm, I'm saving, it's like, it's in the savings and it's ready to be reinvested, executed. That's why I'm expanding to Canada. I'm getting different variations, different samples. Uh, you know, I'm not going, uh, a wide product line, although I am working on my second product now. 
Um, actually, it's worth mentioning that it's my third product now. I did launch a second product and it was unsuccessful. And I can speak about why it was unsuccessful uh, in comparison to my first product because they're very similar. But there were some key things that I did with my second or with my first one that I didn't do with my second. Um, but yeah, everything goes back into this business. Everything gets back reinvested. Like, like I said, you don't need much. Uh, you just have to build this engine that generates you, you know, like I said. All right. So before I go into like the closing questions, um, now that you're at this stage, of course, you talked about, uh, the, the freedom pillars, uh, the three freedom, freedom business pillars. Um, you are, you know, testing with the drop shipping. What are you going to start or what have you already started outsourcing with your Amazon business? Um, so with, with Amazon, it's kind of, it, there's nothing constant that needs to be outsourced because the only thing that I really need to tend to is reorders, which I want to be talking to my supplier myself. And it only happens like once a month, I have to have that conversation of reorder and just submit some payments. So it's very minimal there. And then add, answering some of my customers' questions, which is I get about one to two emails a week, which again, doesn't take much. With that said, I've, I've used tools such as uh, Salesbacker, which automated my emails to customers. This is how I was able, like there were products that were for, on for four or five years that are that are direct competition with me. And I have barely reaching one year mark. So that's uh, automated emails. Um, there is also the tracking software. And uh, of course, uh, Amazon has its own uh, pay-per-click, um, you know, pay-per-click words. So I'm, I'm using that a lot. And I think Amazon is a really unique business model because it's kind of one of those things where it's like once you set it up, once it's all said and done, you just kind of let it go and it just works for you. So you can take a vacation, a month vacation, not much will change. You can run, I can run this business from my phone, literally, you know? Do you think about, do you think about adding more structure to, to your process in terms, because one of the things that I guess I'm noticing as we're talking is like, um, maybe you're not doing QC, you know, like QC at the end of your production. Uh, I'm not sure if you have any sort of like sales agreement or anything like that with the supplier. So do you think about adding as you grow, as the risk is higher, do you think about adding a little bit more structure and, and safety to, to, to your orders? Uh, I haven't, to be honest. Um, and that's probably out of, it's kind of like one of those cases of like, I don't know what I don't know. And I, I think more about expansion and building new things because it's just how my brain works rather than securing what I have now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a lack of it. Uh, but at some point I might be getting to it. I might be, I might not be, uh, for, for me and, you know, just you, the fact that you say like, Hey, you know, make it a little bit safer, work on it a little bit more. Of course, I agree with that a hundred percent, but for me, what I find exciting is I want to build new things. I want to expand new marketplaces, new products, uh, you know, new brand. Biggest mistake would be the waiting on the reorder. So as soon as you are starting to get traction, and by traction, I would say 10 units or more per day, you're selling 10 units or more per day, reorder larger quantities right away. You don't want to be caught in like a month out of stock. Um, and then, you know, you kind of lose that flame. I think that another mistake was not uh, moving faster because once I saw success in Amazon, I kind of got distracted and that's where I kind of started going to the drop shipping route. You know, I didn't like solidify it. I could have been already in three different marketplaces and, uh, you know, just kind of go hard. Like you found one thing, go hard on that one thing instead of like that one thing's working and slowly it'll, it'll expand by itself. Meanwhile, I'm going to try other things. So stay focused. 
find one thing that's really working and then hammer it, hammer it home. Just put on blinders and that's the one thing and hammer it until you get to a level of, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's 10, 20, 30 K for you. Um, the smallest thing, honestly, it's, uh, I, I want to go back to a Tim Ferriss quote, which is we underestimate how much we can do in a week and we overestimate how much we can do in a day. And the smallest thing that made all the difference was taking half an hour to an hour action every single day progressively, just literally making that a habit, whether it's just researching, understanding the process, listening to the podcast, shooting off that email to the supplier, um, because, it's, it's really easy to get discouraged. And I remember I faced a few of those points. And if it wasn't for the, like, once again, for the friend group, everybody having their own thing and everybody being fairly successful, me being at the bottom of the totem pole, not having my own online business, it felt really frustrating and intimidating. No, no, that's, that's, that's Puya. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, but, but I was there, right? Like, and I think okay, at some okay. point, at some point, our friend, even our friend Puya, who's not maybe necessarily very entrepreneurially minded, he was still having a really nice engineering job, whereas I was living in a fraternity without really any income. So, 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 you know, uh, I think that if, if you just make it as easy on yourself as that, just commit to, let's say between 6 PM or, and 7 PM or six, like just make a habit of one hour, preferably in the morning, because once you start delving into this, the hardest part, the hardest part of really anything, whether it be writing, exercising, um, you know, starting a business, it's that initial start, initial bump, diet, especially that diet's a big one too, cooking. It's just that initial, like first five minutes of doing the damn activity. Once you get those five minutes done, you shift gears and you're in it. You're interested in what you're learning. You know, you're, you're, you're absorbed by it. So, uh, just give yourself like, Hey, you know, these next five minutes, I'm going to spend doing this. Preferably I'm going to do it for the next hour and one hour a day of research and action, just like, okay, so I've learned now how to do product research and then start doing the product research. Don't make excuses like, you know, oh, uh, I know it now. There's a, there's a book called The Slight Edge that talks about that in terms of it's better to do something like if you want, let's say you want to learn a language or you want to sell on Amazon, it's better to do a small piece of that every day leading up into the, the bigger part. So if you wanted to sell on Amazon and you feel overwhelmed, it's like maybe just start off doing product research for 30 minutes a day for two weeks. And then from there, you know, contacting suppliers for 30 minutes a day for another two weeks. And then, you know, that's so on and so on and so forth until you get to a stage where now you're placing an order. Um, so it's, it's better to do that than to spend one day deep diving, getting overwhelmed and then just not doing anything for two months because you got burnt out and you felt overwhelmed. Um, and it's just not, it's not sustainable if you, you can't spend six hours every day doing the same thing, um, quite often. So speaking of books, uh, can you name three books, blogs, or podcasts that you, that you listen to read, um, that would help people get to know you better? Help to get me uh, help to get to know me better. Yep. Oh boy. Okay. Um, uh, well, if you're getting into this Amazon game, check, like I said, check out my YouTube, um, my YouTube channel, Nick Nero. I got to admit, I have been, uh, quite lackluster in the last, you know, couple of months. I haven't been really posting anything there, but I would actually, um, yeah, for sure. So I think in terms of books, four hour work week, if you haven't read it, that's a must. It's just more of like just inspirational, um, you know, uh, what, what's Man, possible I've... out there. 
That's I everyone. That's everyone. Tim Ferriss is gonna become like he's gonna become like a deity in a thousand years. He's I, gonna. He's, he's, he's gonna already be is. like. Well, no, I mean, like literally, I think there'll be like a religion, and then the four-hour work week will be the Bible. I, I, I'm, I'm predicting this right now. So if anybody's <laughs> listening right. to this a thousand years from now, you'd be, like, it in. you'd be like, man, Rico was, uh, he was the fortune teller. Is the truth. He was right. Hey, man, like, you know, the dude puts out good energy, he puts out good knowledge, and he openly shares, you know, and yep. he's good-hearted. He's, he's one of my idols. Like, uh, I follow a lot of his stuff. Like, he's the reason why I do meditation every day and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read the four-hour work week as well back in 2011. But mm-hmm. I just noticed across the board, especially when I have these conversations, because I've interviewed people that, I mean, I knew that you read the book. We talk about this all the time. But yes, like, yes. I've interviewed, I don't know, at this stage, maybe 20, 20, 30 plus entrepreneurs on my podcast. And a lot of times those are people that I'm not very familiar with. Um, and the podcast is how we've actually gotten to know each other. And mm-hmm. I, I would say 90% of them have recommended the four hour work week or, yeah. at, le- or at least have read it. It's like the one what, book that's, that is that's just where we cons- come from. consistently, but I, it's, yeah, I know it's where we come from, but it's also, it's not, it's not just younger guys. It's also older guys, like people in their, you know, thirties, forties, um, who have also read the book. And it's just like, it's this one consistent thing that I see everywhere. And that's why I'm saying it's going to be a Bible in the future. I think it's going to that's, that's be. A, that's the next religion. Uh, timorism. Next religion. I, I'm timorism, a timorist. Yeah. I'm, I'm a friend. Uh, so another another book that I really want to recommend, and this is actually uh, a much less known. Um, actually, I'm going to do two. Uh, one is called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. So that's kind of like when he wrote uh, Think and Grow Rich, that was the positive. Positive mindset, the positive action. Um, but then he also fell and there was like a whole controversy. Look it up. It's very interesting. The book was only released like, I think five, 10 years ago, although the other one was written in like 1960 or something like that. Um, so this one talks about more why people fail. And I think this one's more important. If you can avoid the pitfalls, inevitably you'll somehow stumble into success, I think. Um, so I guess both of them are good, but I, I would say that outwitting the devil by Napoleon Hill is much more valuable. Um, and then, um, anything Anything. This is the one. So before, if you were to ask me, like, who are your influences? I would say Tim Ferriss, um, Joe Rogan, and Gary Vaynerchuk. That's like the trifecta. Those are the three men that have the most influence on me intellectually on like what I'm doing. But there's one guy, Jordan Peterson. So he's got a podcast recently, the Jordan Peterson podcast or Jordan B. Peterson podcast. That's like a must. You must read it uh, or you must listen to it. And even like his YouTube, just go on his YouTube channel, Jordan B. Peterson, and listen to what this guy has to say. He's very philosophical. He's very psychologically based. And he also talks about like uh, from a mythological standpoint. So like what do myths tell us about life and how we find meaning? And that's been really beneficial for me to understand myself and how I think and how I perceive things. Um, He's also got... um, uh, he talks about it all the time, so I'm sure you'll hear about it from him. But uh, the self-authoring program, which is basically like I was saying in the beginning, you know, you get to write about where you are presently, where you've come from in the past, dealing with past trauma and things that happened to you, and then future orientation, like the six pillars of future, which is like you know relationships, 
money, business, you know, travel, lifestyle, uh, where do you see yourself? And uh, he's got all these uh, all, all this data to back back up his you know findings. But basically, pe- people have benefited, like university students specifically, have benefited a lot from taking that program. So you also I think forget it's well the worth it. the most important thing about Jordan Peterson is he has one of the most solid Canadian accents of all time. Hey bud, hey, hey bud, hey, bud. <laughs> like, I, so I was, so strong, so strong. I was I was listening to him on the on the Joe Rogan experience, and it was just. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. And I was just like, oh my God, this is full Canada right now. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Anyways. He's um, the Canadian hero we need. Yeah, he is. All right, man. I think that's uh, that's everything, man. Is there anything else that I didn't touch on? The last thing I think, as cliche as it is, but, you know, cliches are there for a reason, is that uh, you can, anyone who's listening to this can definitely do it. Like, single mom with a couple of kids, uh, any kind of, like, 40-year-old dude out there that's trying to quit his job and trying to just travel more. Um, I, I think people big it up in their heads too much. They give themselves too little credit, and literally anyone can do this. I went from, like I said, I was, like, a 23-year-old kid living in a fraternity dorm room with a bunch of debt. I somehow found found a way. If this is something that resonates with you, all you got to do is just put in the research, get excited by this idea, just, you know, feel it, get passionate about it, read it, but then also, you know, take steps towards it. And this is like, man, this is the biggest thing that everybody recommends, but it's so true. In hindsight, I promise you, in hindsight, a year or two from now, when you look back at it and you're making your money online, you're traveling, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. I think this was a, it's a good episode, man. I feel like, uh, obviously I wanted to talk about Amazon and stuff like that, but of course I think this probably shows a different side of my personality. Just, uh, some of the, I guess the more self-improvement stuff that we talk about. Um, definitely want to have, have you on the show again in the future. Um, all right, guys. And if you want to reach out to me, that's podcast at source by nature. I changed it up. It used to be info at source by nature podcast at sourcewineasia.com and uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, sourcewineasia of course Twitter, Instagram, the whole shebang alright, see you guys that girl is a real crowd please, small world all the friends know of me young boy living like an old keys quick release the cash watch it fall slow